All right, social media family, thank you for joining us once again for our series, Discipling Through Philippians. Discipling Through Philippians. Now, we are on lesson four tonight. So we are going to go back to chapter one. Chapter one in Philippians. And we're going to finish up the chapter here. We're looking at verses 27 through 30. 27 through 30. Philippians 1, 27 through 30. And let's look at this in the New Living Translation. And it reads like this. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. <clears throat> Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering. We are in this struggle together. And we have seen, you have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. Now, the caption here for this portion of the chapter one is live as citizens of heaven. And you see that in the first part of the verse here. You must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Now, I'm going to look at the second half of this verse here. Verse 25, where he says, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Look at the phrase, one spirit and one purpose. How powerful is it when a group of people can come together and stand for one united purpose. It's very powerful. It's like when we use the analogy of the open hand versus the fist. Now, with an open hand, you can slap somebody and, and it'll sting. It can really hurt, right? When you hit somebody with an open hand. But when they when you come together, when the, the digits, each individual finger comes together, you hit somebody, you can knock them out. You're gonna do some damage. Right. Yeah. So the, the impact is increased with unity. This is what I'm seeing here. 
was just encouraging the Philippian church to remain in the same the same spirit, the same attitude that they've had up to this point. I guess then I'm looking at focus on one purpose. And I guess the question that pops in my head is do we, you know, do we understand the purpose? Do we understand the I think we get the one spirit. You know, Holy Spirit. But do we really know the purpose? That one purpose and all of us spoken on that one purpose or are we not clear on that? Because, you know, it's important. I think that we understand the purpose behind and all of come together. We target one area and not get distracted. That's right. That's right. Because I think in one of the dangers with just being a believer and having a buffet, so to speak, a variety of different ministries, study groups, churches, like all of these different flavors and things that you can uh, attach yourself to, you know, it can it's, it, it can be a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because when Eric mentions one purpose, you I can go to Third Baptist XYZ Church. Yeah. And then I can go to Word of Faith Church of the Such and Such. And then I can go to this study group here and this study group over here. And there'll be different emphasis and different focuses, right? Now, is there something wrong with that? No. Not in itself. No, not in and of itself. Absolutely not. But when a specific individual goal is exalted above the purpose of saving souls, discipling believers, worshiping God. When an individual specific purpose is exalted above the foundational purpose of the church at large, then that's when you got an issue. Yeah. That's true. It's it's really easy to get distracted too. Um, Mom and I both had went to a church a long while ago, and it started out really good. And the minister, I mean, he would minister, he would preach. I mean, his sermon all biblically based. I mean, he'd even get some of the youth to come up. Sometimes we would do like analogies. His sermons were very interactive. But my mom and I both noticed through the years, within like a two, three, maybe four year period it started wavering over toward or, or leaning toward a vision he had had for the community. Now, and I believe he had good intentions. See, that's what I'm saying. It's so easy to, you know, get distracted. Go ahead. Mom. Was, you were just saying it became, that became more of the focus yeah, right. than the actual preaching of the gospel. And it was, I mean, it, it was more, you look vision. around and, and My, I have a vision. I need yeah. this vision. To, you know, who's with me? Who's with me? And, 
it was becoming less and less. And it was under the guise of kind of opening the gates so God's spirit could come in. But we were like, you know, we would study I mean, it more. more. It was the same thing. We realized it's already here. And here and there to break the heavens up. Yeah. Open the gates. And now we're And it was so distracting instead of being on the goal, you know, like we're saying, of loving one another and bringing other people in to God's love to Jesus. And Many people left because they go, yeah. this is... It was a lot this of hurting people. Where's the yeah. great commission to yeah. disciple and love people? It was yeah. beginning. It was more and more about that. And it's so hard to get true churches together on the same page today, because we all have like a <laughs> our own like diet, you know. Um, I'm sorry, like paradigm of things, you know. And if it's not based on God's love and ministering to others, ministering to each other, then it's true. It kind of <laughs> it gets all balanced. Yeah, because I think if, if we don't understand the purpose, then I think as y'all were saying, it, it be it's, it's it has the potential of becoming a competition. Competition. Yeah. Okay. And oh. then like I said, and I with, speaking to what you just said, I know and I've been in, you know, quite a few ministries and every pastor, you know, has this well, every ministry has its own different vision. You know. And don't get me wrong. Now I'm not saying that's wrong because that's you know, God is calling every pastor. You know, he may have called one pastor to, yeah, yeah. Him, you know, feed the homeless. Uh, one pastor is focused, you know, his ministry mm -hmm. is really targeted to helping drug addicts or people. Yeah. So, you know, there isn't that. As long as it's ministering that. to people. Right. You which, know. Like, so you can't get away from the focus, which it tells you here, it says, yeah. which is the good news or the gospel. Yeah. So the thing <laughs> is, in you understanding what God called you to, specific person or community or whatever the case may be, you can't lose the focus. The gospel still, you just saying, y'all was saying, has to be preached. So mm -hmm. you have to learn how to... You may have, yeah, like a specific the, area. Right, like balance in that. As long as it's ministering to somebody or loving them, but then like, you know, showing them Jesus. But yeah, it's true when we get off of, you know, that basic principle. <laughs> I think it's when it goes crazy yeah. <laughs> or what color the carpeting is, you know, that can really, you know, <laughs> start to imbalance too. Right. And, and you can hear that type of stuff and it's like, you know, ha ha, that's silly. They arguing over carpet. But, you know, but, but, but the thing about it is like, you know, stuff like that can really like be a distraction. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, just focusing on the, the temporal, um, these temporal, small, in insignificant things and taking your eyes off of what the real purpose is. So I'm looking at Matthew 28, very familiar scripture. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the, the Great Commission. And the New Living Translation says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Right. So this is like the mission statement. Right here. See, that's what we couldn't understand because we're thinking, where is it going? Because at first it was, it was very, 
very good preaching, teaching. And then some, you know, he, he talked about having this vision laying in his office and the glory cloud came down. I go, that's all good and perfect, but, the, you know, good. But we would know now if God talks to you, make sure it's God. Make sure it's yeah, God again. And if it is, give me the right thing. You know, I want to hear the truth. This is going to distract me from the good news to tell people the good news, especially in my flock. If it's 10 people, 20 people, or 5,000. Yeah. You know, keeping it's knowing the truth and preaching the truth. Yeah, a lot of people don't want to do that. <laughs> they want to preach their truth. Where am I? In my walk with God, the journey I've been through. We, I think, we have to be careful in it, not to get caught up in. I said building buildings. Yes. Oh you boy. Know? Yeah. And I think I've seen that over my time. You know, we, you know. Building a bigger building, yeah. and I understand that's necessary for some ministries as you grow. You have if to you expand. Grow, yeah, if you get but it. I think you know. Once again, the competition is like, oh, yeah. well, so and so built one. Oh, well, now you get a vision to build one, yeah. and then you know. And once again, so you not to say that God, but it's this. We got to be careful not to get the competition. Whose building is bigger or nicer? And and I've learned yeah. that people love new stuff. Pets. You know, yes. when something is built. You know, everybody's running to it. Mm-hmm. It, war- it warms you. I've you know, noticed too in the past 20, cool 25 years, mom and I were talking about this recently. I go, I noticed in Williamsburg, I'm sure it may be a thing in Newport News too, where churches started refurbishing buildings or using it. I go, that is so cool. It's not, then it's not about, oh, I've got to have new. It's right. just, we, we have a, there's a movie theater downtown where we live, and it used to, it used to be a movie theater. Well, it used to be a movie theater. And they turned it into a church. Actually, two churches used it, and I go, Yay, you know, it's just, I mean, you know, these theater, you know, rooms, you know, they could use for stuff. And I heard they used it for things. I go, that's really cool. Then you're like, not just getting so focused on taking the money and doing something brand new, brand new all the time. Right. Um, although that's a nice thing if you need to or want to, but just keeping. Right. Even with that, like I said, people just love when something's new and it's expansion and people go. Run to his like, and then I know I've I've seen, I've heard pastors think that you know if I build something new and bigger, yeah, then that's gonna bring more people. And I'm saying that shouldn't be the focus. (laughs) If building is not gonna get people saved, it is the gospel is we're talking about here is gonna get people saved. So people may come because people like they said we love new stuff. Just come and check it out, see how it looks, you know. But once again. Right, if the gospel's not being preached yeah. after something well off for a while, yeah, we know how you get a new toy. It's like, oh, you know, a child gets a new toy, he play with it. He my grandson, yeah. he plays with, play with it. Then once he gets old, the next new thing, he holds the next new thing. Yeah, and so, or they don't have the new thing and they go back to the old. Um, it's like a little child; they they're playing with the new thing for a while, and they next thing you know, they're in the kitchen. They pulled open the, the cabinets and they pulled out the uh, the bowls and and the and um. um you know, a wood spoon going pat, 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 you know. Uh, you you're building stuff. Got one of those around, right? Yeah, yeah. Got a few of them. Wrapping paper in the bubble wrap. Right? Man, I just paid $400 for this Nintendo Switch, man. Are you playing with bubble wrap? <laughs> right? So, well, it, well, see, and, and see, that, and I, when you were talking like that, you know, about the building, and I'm like, yeah. you know, if, if the building itself is the attraction, right, then what's going to keep them there? 
Thank you. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? Then, you know, you got to keep giving gift cards and cookies if we give them to, for them to come back. And it don't have nothing to do with Jesus, the and gospel. You, you right? know, and I've seen, like, to note that, I've seen so many youth leaders, and I've had them over me with so much passion. You knew they really had a heart for the youth. Mm-hmm. And they would give, like I said, the gift cards. It's not that it's not good to do that. Right. But it was like, what about when that runs out? What do we do to keep them in? I've been a youth leader. You know, it's like, Something's got to be there, some substance to, to keep them. Right. Yeah. I was part of ministry um, where, in order to get people to come to the house, that it was like, well, well we're going we gonna to feed them. And I'm saying, okay, ain't nothing wrong with that. But if, if we're doing that yeah. just to get them to come on, yeah. what's going to happen when you stop feeding them? Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the point. So, they, if they don't have a hunger for the word, <laughs> then. Like and you know, yeah, it's like showing the love too. It's like mom and I have been actually in a parade a couple of times in Williamsburg and yeah. we would, we would think about this and it, it proved it where the heart wasn't there. I mean, it wanted to be, you know, in the ministry and stuff, you know, the different people heading it up. Um, the lady who headed it up, I mean, I knew, I mean, she had a food bank that's how much she loved people. She was like that, but we had t-shirts made one of them and it was created to love called to serve or he, they, he would know us by our love, you know. That was the um, the scripture on it. And after the parade was over, everybody went their own ways. It was just, you could tell it was very clicky, you know, like a clique, a clique. And I go, how? We've had, a, we've had a parade for Jesus. How? But we're not treating each other like Jesus, you know, wants us to. Yeah. Sad. <laughs> so now I guess the question is, how do we maintain and celebrate our individuality and and, 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 and individual flavors as believers and flocks of believers while maintaining the foundational purpose of spreading the gospel and being being an example of the gospel and discipling people. (coughs) Excuse me. Because I don't want to for for the message to be sent that you know that it's bad for different ministries or study groups churches to have different focuses right mm-hmm. right because that's I believe honestly that that's God breathed mm-hmm. and you can go to First Corinthians twelve that talks about wow, the gifts of the Spirit and how their administrations are you know it's different. Right. Yeah. Based on the person, right? But it's this the same spirit is the one that's operating, that is that is empowering the gift. It's just coming out of different vessels. Yeah. Right. So it's just like let's look at it like we look at the armed forces. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Good example. Yeah. Right. You got different branches of the military. But you got one commander in chief. Yeah. But each branch has its own individual mission statement and like yeah. you know um, strengths and things that they do. Coast Guard, Marines, Navy, Army, Air Force, Space Force. Now, all these different branches have different focuses, but. They serve one commander in chief, right? 
Well, the scripture even, you know, backs it up, you know, what it says. Corinthians, many members of the body. The church, you know, the body has many parts, but they all come together for one yeah. purpose. And so it gives that. But what we've talked about before is like if um if the arm decided to go off on its own, right. it can't do anything. Or even the eyes, it can't do anything without the other parts of the body. Your feet can't do it. You know, we have to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. The feet can't say, you know, yeah. no, I'm not a part of the body because it's not the eye and all this. So he was saying that, like Paul was saying that. So he said, hey, but we all come together for one purpose just to. And see, that's function. just the one purpose. Yeah. What is the purpose? Mm-hmm. The commission. Mm-hmm. And to love. You know, that's what he's calling us to love. And I think the way probably to <laughs> consolidate it, and it doesn't mean it's an easy thing, but it's like the, the goal would be like we were talking about, it's like somebody may be, you know interested in people who dealt drugs or somebody may be interested in like youth. If we could get to a point where we're unified enough to like tag team, you know, to be like, you know what? Wow. I'm praying for you. You got that heart for that. Man, it'd be my cup of tea, but Hey, I'm doing this. You got that area. I got this area. Like Newport news, for instance, to be like, yeah, I'm gonna call my brother. Let's pray for each other. Yeah. We're gonna keep seeking God. Maybe we should do this together. You know, just like, you know, working together and number one, as we've always say here, comes back to relationship with God. It's like, God, where do you want me to be? Where do you want us to be? It's always about that. Let's go to uh, First Corinthians 12. <coughs> we brought that up. First Corinthians 12. We're going to start at verse 1. Sorry, sorry. Uh, no, no, let's start at verse 4. We're going to read a lot of this. And oh, okay. No, I, I don't want to read all that. Let's go to 12. Verse 12. Let's go down to 20. And you do the translation says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, but just one, but not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand. That does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would it be if it had only one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard 
is less honorable of those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the most honorable parts do not require that special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes the harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Look at this last verse, verse 26. If one part suffers, all the parts will suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. In verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So Paul just, he goes through the whole analogy of the body to emphasize this point of unity and value and importance. How vital it is for all of us to be on the same page and appreciate each other with every individual legal brings to the table. Because there's a, there's a specific gift, purpose, there's something in each individual that is special, it's important. That's why Satan tries to tear it apart so much and get us, you know, mm-hmm. all riled up against each other. And he does it different ways. Yeah. In different ways. One way is to <clears throat> get one part of the body to look at itself and start to smell itself. Mm. Like, mm. The eyeball is just looking at itself in the mirror. Yeah. And like, you know, you know you're more important than looking at the fingers and the ears, right? You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See, and, and, and that's where that whole, that whole idea of this particular ministry or set of believers or, you know, sector of the body is more important than this sector over here. And then, they, you know, you, you start to look down on this in, these individuals. Yeah. Right. And then so there's like just, there's hardiness over here. And then there's frustration and bitterness on this side. It could be the foot. The foot could be like, "Well, I hold everything up. I'm underneath, and you know, it could be the same as the yeah, eye." Yeah, and, and you know, the, the body is fighting against itself to to express how important each 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 individual part is. Yeah, but the reality is, it all you important. Yeah, but you're not allowed to yourself. None of us are. So when I'm looking at what Paul is saying in Philippians 1, the idea of, of standing together with one spirit, one purpose, is such a vital thing. And the, the and that's why, like you said, the enemy fights unity so much. Because it's it 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 There's spills it's, it spells doom for him. Yeah. One put a thousand in flight, two tens of ten thousand, right? Where two or three are gathered together. Jesus, what did Jesus say? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. So what's going to happen is 20, 30 gathered together in his name. Three, four hundred, three, four thousand. A whole, a whole, you know, body of people scattered across. Just think, he takes it serious. The enemy that saved us. One is one 
since a thousand running. It's just like, oh, there's two. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh, there's ten. Yeah. We're doomed here. Yep. Unless he can try to sneak in and cause division. That's where, that's where we've we had a found. lot of that around, you know, especially in this country. I mean, I know, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. Div dividing. Even in, you think, um, is it Ecclesiastes or not? One person by themselves can do okay, but when you have two, if one falls down, the other helps them back up. And even in that, I have to say that. Yeah, I said two is better than one. Two, yeah, that's what I was saying. That's I saying. You know, it's like if one falls down, and you have someone there. They go here. Let me help you back up. At least in that way, two are better than one. And then you go three is when you're in unity and you're loving and you're seeking out, you know, the truth to God. That's what I said. My biggest thing has been going. I want to know the truth. I don't want to be deceived. Right. And that and he'll answer that prayer. He loves to answer our prayer. I like it. Keep, I've been hearing this over and over and over. <coughs> Even through Andrew's little minutes and stuff and different ones through the ministry. <clears throat> God keeps his promises. When you when you have hope, then you can have unity because you start believing and you know, hoping in each other and you get strength there. That's a, another way to look at it too is having hope in something is do I believe? I hope I do. You know, we said it all. It's like, I hope this works out. And I think, you know, I think we have, I see it still now, and I think it's more, you know, we have individual believers saying, you know, well, I, don't, I don't need, you know, the church, or I don't need to be a ministry. You know, but do this by myself. I see a lot of that now. Individuality, yeah. just. Yeah, because you know, and, and and it comes, it comes from a lot of church hurt in some cases. Yeah, oh, they've heard. So I do, do understand. Think about it. How, it. Yeah, I do understand why some people do it because I'm not gonna be naive and say, "Well, okay, I don't understand." Yeah, they, there's been church hurt, and a lot of people says, "You know, well, I don't want anything to do with ministry or Bible teaching and nothing like that," because what I experienced, but. Like you said, that's the trigger enemy. Yeah. Separate. You know, yeah. say, you know what? Well, yeah, you don't need nobody. All you need is, you know, we, of course, we heard that thing in the church. All you need is Jesus. And some people take that literally and say, no, separate yeah. themselves. And, you know, but they, they, they really hurt themselves. They don't realize the enemy. They see them and say, okay, yeah, you can do this all on your own. And so, and they may not realize that you're actually getting weaker. Yeah. Because you're, you're not a part of the body. And you draw strength. We draw strength from each other. Yeah. And so therefore, that's the deception that he yeah puts in our minds. Mom and I knew, and we got away from the church we were attending many years ago. We eventually. I mean, it was a very. It was like just overnight. Well, oh my gosh, somebody didn't talk to us. We're just leaving. I mean, it just got to where like I said, the focus was going. Nobody was listening. It's not like we tried to sit down and talk about it. it was like nah. But however. Then There's very few of the original people there. We prayed, we but yeah, we we prayed about where to go, and it other. when it came to a point one time, I, in my testimony, I don't want to go anywhere. So I don't want to do God, the God I thought He was. But when it came to it, it was like we need to go somewhere. We even considered going to Karis Bible College in Colorado, which would have been wonderful too. But 
you know, sometimes you can try to fit in somewhere and it's not where you're, that specific place in the body, but you know, God will see that's where it comes to relationships. You God will show you where, show you where you need to be fellowship. And I agree with that because I mean, I've experienced, you know, been a part of ministry where things have happened, and 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 I, you know, I felt led to leave, but I've never been to a place where Kim will sit at home. That was never, yeah, the mindset because I've always knew. Okay, not for me, I always knew. Okay, every place ain't the same. You know, yeah. it may be dysfunction over here, but I'm not going to put every church in that category and say, yeah. okay, well, you know what? I'm just done with church all together or done with ministry all together. And I want to be around. <laughs> I've never had that because I always believe that, okay, God got someplace. And, you know, of course, and I always remember my dad, you know, nobody, no church is perfect. No ministry is perfect. Are so, you, you sure? know, because <laughs> he said, he said, he said, when you, he said, if you find the perfect, perfect church, he said, don't join it because you gonna mess it up. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm saying it. I'm saying, okay, yeah. so you know, that was my mindset. Okay, so I'm not going to look for the perfect place, but Lord, I'm going to the place where you lead me. Yeah. And yeah. so you lead me there, and that don't mean you're gonna go there and everything's gonna be perfect, but because every church is going to because. Have his problem, you know, and I believe good leadership can keep that to a minimum. Oh yeah, to the point where you know it's not stuff is out of hand, get crazy. But you know, every minute you can have his challenges, but you got good leaders in place. Yeah, you you've heard somebody say that they go, "I'm trying to find this church I was going to, and it's not the same church anymore." But I want that same church. And I go, "You're never going to find that no. again." No, you're not. No, you got to look, you know, you're asking God, where, where do I need to go? And then the scripture Andrew used for the, the college out there, and that's still like a body of believers, even though, you know, it's a college. Mm -hmm. But he was saying, um, I looked it up, I wasn't sure what it was, Proverbs 14.4. He'd have his staff come and say, this problem's going on, this problem, what do we do, what do we do? And he goes, he told me, he goes, where there's no oxen, the manger's clean. But the abundance of crop comes by the strength of the ox. <laughs> so he goes like, in other words, when you have a lot of people together, there's going to be mess. Right, <laughs> you know, but that's where the strength comes in, and you just have to figure it out. Right, you know, there you go. That's right. If you, if you want the work, let's be real. You know, and I, I'm going to that, that verse that um, you were mentioning in Ecclesiastes 4, Ecclesiastes 4 9 through 12 says, in, in the deliverance, says, oh, okay. two people are better than one. But they can help each other succeed. If one person fails, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people laying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not even even easily Okay. Unity. Yeah. Unity. And Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Verse 24, 25. Said, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to, to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. 
but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, Paul said that 2,000 years ago. How much more true is it today? It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we seem to be doing this versus this. And that's true, too, where we have a perception sometimes of what coming together. So it's one of the, the, the different, you know, thinking differently. We've talked to some of our former church members from other, a couple of churches we went to. And sweet as can be, you know, we'll see them in Walmart or something. And they'll either still be going to the same church or be going somewhere else. And they're like, oh, well, where do you go? We're we'll like, we go to this Bible study, but it's technically a, a church called Grace and Faith Fellowship. We kind of explain a little bit. It would be, well, where do you go to church? You know, it, it does it because it's like this. This is the church, this is the steeple. Open the door yeah. and see all the people okay. thing. Like, if you don't go to like a churchy church, like, you're not considered, you know. And then mm -hmm. the scripture is taken and, like I said, the paradigm, you know, it's, you're not really, you know, getting to get, it's considered we're not really getting together. I'm like, we're sitting here teaching each other under the guidance of a main person, you know, i.e., you know, Julie's usually, and we're talking about the word of God. I mean, and then we're praying for each other after. I'm like, the only thing we don't really do is sing. I mean, that's about it. But, you know, I'm like, I think that's not forsaking yourself, you know, to, to you know, Absolutely. assemble. But it's just not considered that, you know, a lot. Right. 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 It's so, not, the thing about it is, too, is like if, if, if the, the church and the steeple where the people are, is the, the church, then are, are there any churches in, in China or in North Korea? <laughs> there you go, uh, yeah. In Iran. So yeah, there's no church there either, right? Yeah, you can't go to the, the First Baptist Church on yeah, uh, Jefferson Avenue in, <laughs> yeah. in, 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 in Beijing, right? right? Or in Iran somewhere. But you're not going to tell me there ain't churches there. Right. Huh. We don't even know the meaning of. <laughs> but see, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, when people get real, you know. Been out of shape. Been out of shape. Yeah, about, about slow saying that. But what, what, what does a body of believers really look yeah. like? What yeah. is a church? But think, you know, it's not the building. Mm -hmm. It's not the building. Now, we are in a position in this country where bodies of believers are blessed enough to get a building and actually meet together in a building. You know, but everybody doesn't have that same ability. And Brother David says something. He says, don't forget about the virtual world either that connects you also, mm -hmm. right? This There's a corporate anointing also in a per, in person too, right? So, you know, the, the word can travel mm -hmm. beyond yeah. the church and the steeple. If you world. can't get to a place during right. like the pandemic. Right. Um, what was it? Ashley and Carly Tara does. They did alive every day interactive with their ministry Tarot's ministries mom and i got on there a few times like every day we'd watch it like not religiously but you know the term you know we would do it faithfully every day and you know there were things going on type on your prayer request or you amen and make it back to you it's power that call and pray you know if you need prayer right right so you see and even in that even in that, that that's something we can use to try to create conflict, friction between believers. Of course. Because if you don't go to First Baptist such and such, yeah, or Presbyterian such and such, 
and you not going to church. And it, it's just like, why, why do, why is that even something that we are, we are going to argue about for what? Yeah. Because the bottom line is like, look, if you if you have a body of believers that you connected to, and you guys are loving on each other, and y'all, you know, growing in the word, and you're trying to develop and walk together, growing discipleship. Ain't that what Jesus was talking about? Yeah. Right. You you praying for your family, you witnessing to coworkers when 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 they had to, when you you witnessing to family members, you trying to intercede on their behalf, you doing this type of stuff. You, that's what the, that's what it's all about. Now again, it's not about demonizing either or, no. but it's it's about appreciating the different flavors and different shapes and sizes that ministries have, right? And, and and honoring that instead of you know being either scoring in it or being jealous, because where envy and strife is. Confusion and every evil work. And that's why, again, that's why the enemy tries to stir up that division. And, and because unity is a, it spells doom for him. And you know, again, it, it comes to relationship. It's where God, you know, you go to him where he wants you. Because I like, you know, I love our intimate gathering here. But I saw mom and she, she remembered I had a friend. I used to, well, she's a friend now, but she's a coworker. And she went to a traditional, I think like a Baptist church, beautiful, you know, nice church. And, you know, even though I've had bad experiences myself as being in a bigger body of believers, like she loved her church. and I loved it. I mean, she really like until she got married, she was there. Her husband that she ended up marrying, he lived in like a different part. I think he lived like in Hampton. She lived like down where we live, but she didn't go in his church, which was good. But she talked about me. They discipled her there. You could tell she was her heart was connected she had a dance team she was in everything and i go that's how it's supposed to be but that's where she needed to be and i go we got to really ask god it comes down to like where do you want me where do i fit you know <laughs> and i said i mean you know I, I, i've seen things but also i've heard this well you know we can't become content like i mean whatever measure there should be growth yeah. You see what I'm saying? Because I've heard people like, well, okay, well, I, get, I got my 20 people and I'm good. Well, that's going to make any sense. Because, you know, God wants to continue to grow. Now, doesn't mean, you know, you're going to grow. Some some pastors grow to 10,000. Some you may grow, you know, from 10 to 30, 30 to 50. You know, whatever. But I'm saying, you know, just say, okay, you know, uh, 25, that's enough. Yeah. I mean, because that means you leave no more room for nobody yeah. else to come in. What if somebody else wants you? You God leave somebody? Yeah. You know what do you mean? You now do twenty six? I mean, like really? So, <laughs> so you gotta go to the next church. So we fill these chairs up, Julius. Right, I'm teasing. <laughs> so I, I heard that, and I was like, okay, no, I mean, there's always you should always grow. And like I say, everybody's. I know every pastor or every ministry is not called to mega. You know, but whatever God, there's always as you said, ministry that always should be grown. Yeah. Grown. And and I know that's not it's not always in numbers, but growing both in numbers, maturity, that body should be growing in both ways. Mm -hmm. You know. And and what growth looks like too 
is maybe different. Right. Right. Because you got, you know, one place that is a a hub like mega church, then they they can grow from five thousand to seventy five hundred to ten thousand all under this one umbrella. But a smaller ministry, can they still grow and stay small? Yeah. But it's just gonna look different. Yeah. Because you can have a small, a small church, small ministry that's like twelve people. It can grow to twenty and then split to ten, two groups of ten. Okay. But it started with that twelve. And then you got those those two groups of ten, they grow to twenty mm-hmm. and they split to two groups of ten. And then there's like this, once it gets to a certain place, certain capacity, then a leader out of that group is identified and they yeah. lead. Now, isn't that what Jesus did? How many he saw with? With what? Huh? Starting 12, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, how big is it now? That's true. I think it's a good idea in church. Somebody came up with it one day, I guess, but where I would see it in other sister churches and maybe even our own, when they'd have cell groups or like discipleship groups instead of just like on Sunday fitting together like 100 people, it would be like, you know, 12 or whether they doled it out, you know, this is a assigned thing by A to Z or A to H or whatever, or go to the the, the one you feel led, you know, right. the different ones of the church would rise up and they'd mm-hmm. hold it in their homes. I go, that was a good idea. Yeah. Try to keep it, you know, make it intimate. You know? Yeah, keep it intimate, right? Right. Because there's just certain things that you don't get from a setting like this mm-hmm. that you're not going to get in the, the big, the big gathering. Yeah. Right. Because there's, there's pros and cons both ways. Yeah. Right. What are you, are you sitting in, you know, a big congregation, three, four, five hundred people? It's easy to hide. Yeah, it is. It's easy to hide and or hide and or get lost. Mm-hmm. Stained glass masquerade, yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, you know. And, and nobody really gets to know you or get to experience your your gifting, what, what, you, what you bring to the table. Because everybody's sitting listening to the set man mm-hmm. on Sunday, getting their their word, and then go about your business. So everybody's like, it's like you know, a little bunch of birds with their mouth open. He throw out seed to everybody. You you eat your little, you eat yeah. your seed, and you go home. But nobody gets to experience what what you bring into the table. Right. That's true. You know, you praying for so and so, right? You sharing your heart with X Y Z person, right? And then y'all growing together, and then like you're actually sitting that, sitting down and chewing on this stuff, and saying, "Okay, how do I live by this stuff?" Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. What, what is he really saying here? What tells you? I think. Um, speaking of what you're talking about, I think if he's talking about for the equipping of the saints, yeah, we come like the setting he's talking about. You come to get equipped. Yeah. So you say you can go out, <coughs> you know, and minister to yeah. 
people you come in contact with on a daily basis or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So the, the, that setting is to be equipped. Yeah. You know, from the past, like you said, you get seen, but you 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 being equipped, and then like you said, you, when you get in a more intimate setting, yeah. you're being more equipped. I remembered, so, and I, I yeah, even more finite. Right, finite. I agree. Yeah. The word. Yeah. You know, just right, fine tuning in. It's like okay, yeah. You know, understanding who you are, your identity. You know, and going out and minister, witness souls for Christ, whatever case but God's doing through you. But yeah, you, you've been equipped, and so you understand. I'm coming to get up. I'm coming here to get equipped. Okay, the pastor speaks a word. Understand, man. I need to take it outside. Take it out, right? Yeah, walk, walk with it. Right. Work it at you know our jobs, or our family, and everything. Yeah, I was telling mom recently. I said. I remember one of our ministers, we were under the pastor's wife. She would minister like once a month at our church and she really got deep into the word. It was so good. She was very, I mean, really good, good teacher. teacher. And I always, I, I miss that. And I enjoyed that just part read, of her she's doing much. Her And she didn't want to hurry. But she would break down a whole chapter of the Bible and just boom, boom. Yeah, one of her was great. And I remember, yeah, I remember the youth group. One of the daughters go, oh, great, mom's like, preaching today. I'm thinking, to me, I was always this way. It's never changed. I go, I don't want to leave. Tell me some more. I loved it. And the only problem that about it for me when it wasn't a problem is I told mom, I said, I would have such a hard time. This is before I knew about this kind of setting. I would want to not, I would never interrupt a service. Okay, never ever, but just in my mind and heart, I'd go, I don't want to go, oh yeah, it. pastor, so-and-so. And then this scripture, I wanted to interact. That's how deep she got. And then I go, this kind of thing exists. That's great. I wasn't wrong to have that desire, but you know, to never it interrupt. Amazing, but it was amazing, you know? She's, she's a very, very good. She, I mean, she taught well too. It was good stuff. We remember back to it. Yeah, it was very good. I mean, she had a good, she had a, a gifting to go and teach, and she didn't mind breaking it down. I learned. I learned the difference between this not, is a side I'm, hungry. I'm gonna go. Being, um, yeah, I would say this. Yeah, go eat. Yeah, I'm gonna stay here. We're a Peace. servant. Where Jesus called us servants, but He called us friends. And John, she broke that down one day and explained, like she went into history and found out what that meant, all this stuff. And I'm like, so that's what it means. <laughs> Just sitting there, you know. But that kind of thing, you know, it's cool. Such consistency, oh, for such con constancy and fearlessness will be a clear sign, proof, and seal to them to, of their impending destruction, but a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation, and that from God. So, Paul's given instruction here to not be frightened, not even for a moment, by your opponents and adversaries. And he's talking about here how the your ability to maintain confidence to see the end from the beginning. How it is a it is a clear sign that your enemies 
to your adversaries. Their fate is doomed. They will lose. Now, let's look at opponents and adversaries here. What is he talking about? Who is he talking about? Well, I know he's talking about persecution. And of course, that would be, you know, enemy, of course, enemy uses people you know, to come against you know, the gospel, to attack you. Um, what do you have on this number? To be set over against. To allow how to set up. Contrary to oppose. Right. So the the opponents to the gospel. And I like how, you know, I like how you see it. The enemy uses people. But exactly does he use them? Right. And you know, and all of us, if we've been honest, the enemy has used us to, to you know, hurt people too. Right. Right. Yep. Did that. That's what he do. But the focus is not on and see uh, the challenge for us is to to not get focused on the flesh, but the the, the spirit behind what's motivating the, the, the individuals to oppose the gospel. And and again, you know, persecution looks a whole lot different here than it does in some some foreign countries, you know, it's a whole lot different here. Because you persecution for us is somebody like whispering and spreading, spreading little, you know, spreading little gospel about us being Bible thumpers, right? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. It's, you know, it's like social stuff. Yeah, it's the same spirit behind it, but our laws protect us here versus someone can't just kill us. They can just gossip and look as mean, you know, versus kill them in another country. You know, in our country, we've taken love and hate and put it really low. I love ice cream. I hate ice cream. So people here in the West, they go, they don't understand love and hate. And in other countries, when they say they hate you, they hate you. Oh, no, no, no. People don't hate like that. That's not what they mean. No, they hate. It's not I like I hate ice cream. It's been those two terms have been, you know, watered down. Mm-hmm. Love is a, I, I've been telling her it's a, it's something that it's a revelation that's come. I know it's got to be gone. Because <clears throat> I said, you know, a perfect love casts out fear. And it's some fear thing she's dealt with. And everybody is with a fear sometimes. But it's a perfect love casts out fear. It's like the thing with love and fear. Love. Love. Perfect love cast out fear. And I told us that if fear can drive something away, love can bring it back. Because love is more powerful. If if love can chase fear away, you know, it's when it's gone, then whatever's been driven, you know, if somebody's scared of something, the love can be, you know, draw them back. I told us that just think, perfect love. You're fearing something, and the perfect level will change it where you're not afraid anymore and will draw you back. Especially drawing you back to, like, I don't have to be afraid of God. Like her. Mm-hmm. God's not going to kill me. He's not going to send me to hell. He's not going to do this. He's, he's actually good. Mm-hmm. So it's the love and hate and 
He never screamed or yelled, yelled at me when I was in a bar. I'll tell you that things, much. You know, opposing, <laughs> loving hate or opposing each other. He was like, yeah, she don't want to be here, but I'm just going to, you know, sit here until she talked to me in school. <laughs> we were talking about the last night, you know, letting, um, you know, we all get in our flesh. We all have these flesh moments. And I said, say the same thing. With, um, you can be angry at God and, or, and you're just, Beating on him, screaming at him, going, I hate you. I, why did you let this happen to me? And he's waiting for you to calm down so he can tell you, I didn't do anything to you. I'm trying to help you. I love you, and anything I can do, if you'll trust me, I will work and fix this. That is not too far on the part. But opposing and adversaries is, is still <laughs> to do with that. I'm sorry. I might have went on a rabbit hole and rabbit trap. But track. I mean, you know, because the scripture says we wrestle not against. Flesh and blood. blood. Yeah. And that, and, yeah. And, and, you know, there's something that I, I know I, I and many of us have to kind of remind ourselves, <laughs> right? We're not, we not dealing with this. Yeah. Yes. Right? But it, it's, it becomes difficult when, when, it, when, it, when it's the when same it's flesh in your that's, face. That's, 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 that's challenging you or, you know, pushing those buttons. Yeah, but the thing about it is, it, the scripture says what it says. <coughs> we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Right. I have to remember that. <laughs> so in that, in, in having that understanding, it it gets it, it can allow us to say, okay, all right, even though this this situation, this persecution, this adversity is really is pushing me. Lord, help me to to respond the way you want me to respond. Help me to respond in a way that I'm still walking in the fruit of the Spirit. The thing is, because here's what I've learned: it's it's easy to say to say yes to eternal life, but to say yes to everyday life, two different things. You're feeling all good. Everybody saved, you know, right? Oh, you want eternal life? Yes, I do. You know, next morning all, again, on, all, all the stuff hits. You know, when we talk about eternal life, we talk about hey, okay, everybody want to go to heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when he tells you say yes to everyday life, um, I'm not sure if I want to do that. Guy, yes. Like he said, man, you messing with this, and you know the challenges of relationships and relationships, you know, in your marriage and on your job with your kids. Driving down the road, Driving somebody cut down you the off. Road. Somebody road cut you rage. Off and... I'm sure, and I've never been married yet, but I'm sure, like when you say yes on your wedding day, oh yes, oh you look so handsome, yeah. so beautiful, but then you wake up to the draft, cold eyes, you know, bad breath, of, like yes, you know, and it just always feels so. It's good. like okay, <laughs> day one, you like yes, and then. You get in probably maybe day 50 and say, what did I say yesterday? Rumpy day, you start, yes, <laughs> I like, do. Oh, I said yes to this. So, yeah, it makes it, it's challenging, but, you know, when you get to, as I said, the road is okay, when saying yes to everyday challenges. Yeah. It's like, okay, God, I don't know if I signed up for this one. So, I might want to I'm not sure if I want to say yes to this. Mm-hmm. But I want to go to heaven, though. I'm good on that. Yeah. Okay, you want you know, me to love 
them. There you go. Yep. After what they did to me. Right. And they keep doing it to yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. then we realize if we have this, like, if God just wants you to love, don't mean you have to hang around them unless he leads you to. Because if he don't, it's not going to work. <coughs> if you're going to try to do it your own. Every time we try to do something on our own, what happens? It don't work. But if he sends you to do it, other than the, you know, to love people, that's in general, but it's just good. I just love people. That's why I said, we were talking about the other day again. I would go somewhere and my mother would go, how long will we be in there? I go, I don't know. Because I would talk to everybody. Because I love people. And I met a lady the other day. She was, I'm like you. I love everybody. She was, I can't get in the house store without talking to everybody. She goes, I love to talk to people. I love to to listen to their life. And I said, I'm being sitting at a restaurant and she's talking to me and I go, what'd you say? She goes, you're doing it again. I go, I can't help it. I'm listening to the person. She's looking at me. everybody and everything. Not because I'm nosy. But I think it's funny though. I like to hear what they're saying. It's interesting to me. Yeah. I want to see what they're like because I love what they're saying. I said, you didn't hear what they said. It's so beautiful. I wasn't like, no, I'm to be like, French fries or broccoli. Is my meal, you know? no, I love <laughs> That's part of what I do. I know that some. I know I love to. I love to love people that way. My dad used to say, "He said, you know, when we relationship, you know, like I said, it can get messy." It can. And then he said, "Well, some people he made it now. He said some some relationship. He said you have to feed them with a long handle spoon, which means, okay, we ain't close. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I deal with you (laughs) from afar. We good." Because, you know, some people, I, I don't even say try to dwell with them with, with peace. He says, do whatever you can. Some people make it tough to deal with peace. So you have to say, okay, you know what? I have to put some space between us because yeah. it's not it's hard good to for me, you know, Absolutely, mentally. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, it's just too much strain. So, but uh, still love you. I mean, I don't hate you. You forgive him, but we gonna have to do this because you have to make boundaries. Right there, you go. The word boundary. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at our notes here. Okay, all right. For this verse it says now the word terrified in the Greek is a strong term referring to the shying away of a horse that has been startled. The adversaries who caused this fear were unbelievers who showed hatred and hostility to the Philippian believers. So Paul was speaking of persecution against the Philippian believers. The persecution these adversaries brought against the Philippians was a token that the persecutors were headed for perdition. If they were true believers, they would not be fighting their own Now, on the other hand, to those who are persecuted, persecution is a token that they are truly born again. Jesus taught that godly people will be persecuted, and so did Paul. The fact that these believers were being persecuted confirmed their salvation, their salvation, and at the same time revealed their persecutors as being enemies of Christ, with the result of eternal perdition. The suffering of persecution is not an indication of divine disapproval, but rather a sign of true adoption to the family of God. We are called not only to believe in Christ, but also to suffer for his sake. The Philippians were experiencing the same type of persecution that Paul was going through. 
Paul was stating that the Philippian believers that to them that they were in this fight together and should therefore receive encouragement and strength from each other. So the whole idea of persecution and how it is a token of your salvation. Because think about it. If you go into a dark room, if you add more darkness to it, can you tell? You just blend it in, right? That makes sense. No. You can't add more darkness than darkness in this. Yeah. So you just you know, you just blend again. Right. So if you if if an individual is is dark, you have a dark light, you add to a dark room, it blends in. <clears throat> yep. You take light into a dark room. What does it do? It exposes things. It exposes stuff. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to be exposed. Only right. oh, sometimes I don't like to be exposed. So when there's a whole lot of like just evil activity, things that are just not right going on, and you being just being a believer, not not somebody who's trying to check everybody, be a beat over beat everybody over the head with the Bible. But you just walking in the fruit of the spirit. You being that light is going to attract some response. Some individuals who are soft-hearted, you attract them towards the gospel because they may, they'll see something in you. They'll say, hey, you know what? What, what, what ministry you're part of? What you don't you say you pray? You you read the word? How, what type of Bible app do you use? <coughs> yeah. so, so, so. The scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you got yeah. good fruit, people are gonna taste. Right. Those who are soft-hearted, but then you're gonna have the opposite. Individuals who are the adversary, adversaries to the gospel, like Paul is talking about here. Yeah. Then you're gonna get the opposite response. Yep. Because your light, you just being who you are, is triggering. Religious skeptics, they trigger, we, we trigger them a lot. Mm -hmm. Like you keep, the one that keeps sneaking them. The one that keeps, you know, texting you more. Yeah, he, he said he won't show up tonight. We scared him away and he was done. Yeah, there you go. He got kind of. He, he couldn't handle it anymore. The fire got too. He was in the room, Eric. Yeah, but he was too hot last night. <laughs> that's, that was, that's the thing. See, know, unity like, last night. Yeah, and that, that's it. Can't right? stand the unity. <laughs> because when you when you talk about the unmerited favor of God, you talk about the the reality that we we in and of we don't bring anything to the table in in regards to our salvation. It's all Him. It's all what Christ did. Yeah. All we're doing is responding. <laughs> Right. Like if okay, I just kind of got the the image. Now when somebody invites you to a dinner mm -hmm. and with all expenses paid, when you call up to confirm your reservation, 
do you go around telling people how much you how much you did to earn that dinner? How do you talk about how hard of a work it was to labor to to call to confirm your reservation? No, no. Tell them how easy it was. I just picked the right. phone and called. They said, like, "Wow, yeah, I used my yeah. app and I did this, and yeah, yeah, oh, right, right." Yeah, this nice dinner. Mm. Can't wait. <laughs> well, see, the works righteousness perspective tries to get us to take pride in the reality that we picked up the phone and, and accepted the reservation. Mm-hmm. Yep. But Christ is the one who did everything. Yeah. We didn't do nothing. All we did is say yes. Uh-huh. So he get the glory, not us. Yep. Everything was said. We just get the benefits. Every testimony you hear true, it's not like you hear somebody, like the person off the street that came into church and they heard the message and they came to Jesus. They always talk about how wonderful it was. You know, it's never, oh, I chose to go in that church that day and I did this. It's, you know, I just really was having a down day. I said, let me give church a chance. And they go in and it's, oh, wow, the it's like the minister was talking just to me, you know, and then I went up and I was crying. It's all God, you know, true testimony. And see, we looking at that last verse where <coughs> these last two verses. And it goes back to the the importance of unity, because when you you know when you are really going through persecution, adversity, it the temptation to become faint and to become weary and quit it increases because the pressure is increasing. But when you are together in unity with others who know the struggle, you can draw strength from each other. And again, this just goes back to why, you know, the opposition, the enemy tries to separate because he knows what, what unity looks looks like. Power and, in numbers. And, and the strength that's there. And look what 29 says, and I'm just kind of fully, it says, well, I'm reading from the New Living, it says, for you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Jesus, but also the privilege of suffering for him. So I can embrace the privilege of trusting. Okay. But then, you know, we, we don't talk about the privilege of suffering. You know, you think about it, it's a privilege to do that. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> I got a privilege to be persecuted and, you know, talked about. That's a deep thinking. Right. Because I'm a believer, because I believe in Jesus. And like he said, I'm being called his Bible pilgrim, you know, religious. Yeah. Over the top, you know, whatever case may be. And, you know, so you're being persecuted for just being a believer. And so, yeah. and, but he's here. Paul says it's a privilege yeah. to be for people to come at you like that, you know. So, but we don't, uh, you know, we have to, and I think that's a, a revelation we have to get. It's a privilege to suffer for Christ. 
Yeah. Versus, and then he also, but he also gave us a privilege of trusting in him, which means that you know what, it's, it's a privilege to call myself a born again believer. Christian, because as he talked about, I didn't do nothing for it. Yeah. You know, it was just given to me as a gift. I accepted it, and so he did all the work. But now he's saying, okay, but it's also a privilege for you. Yeah. So we we're not doing anything for the old ways that does not just policing it, right? But you didn't do anything to be persecuted. Just be a believer. Yeah. Yeah. And that and then that is it it's a it takes a radical level of intimacy to be able to say that. Right. To be able to look at that persecution as a privilege. You know, you really have to be crucified from the world. And a lot of us are, you know, we not, a lot of us are not there. And I know I, 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 I'm reading my brother Paul here and I said, bro, I ain't there. No, not quite like that. Now, <laughs> I'm not where I want to be, but like Andrew was saying, I, I, I don't left though. Yeah, I don't left. I don't left though. But I'm, but, but am I here with, with, with Brother Paul? Is no so. Yeah, like you said, shit. I was trying to wrap my brain around the privilege of suffering. I'm still trying to, you know, wrap my brain around and embrace that and live it out. Like you said, so it's. It's a process that I realized like the privilege of suffering is like that's kind of like an oxymoron. Yeah, but you know, but when you have the level of intimacy that Paul did, and you know, the disciples did, John did, you can you you can say that, right? Because of you your the, the the level of intimacy you have with your Lord. And like for for me to to be associated with him, to be connected with him, and for people to be able to identify that, that means the world, that means everything. So I don't give a rip what y'all talking about, what you do to me. Because I am connected with him. And see, and that's a level of intimacy that, you know, it 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 should be our aim and goal to grow to that place. Yeah. And I think this is one of the challenges that's unique for us as American Western believers is that you can, we, we can believe easily initially. Right. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because it don't, it, it don't really cost you nothing right. to go to the front of your local church or a local church down the street and to make a profession for Christ and to get baptized. You know, we haven't gotten to that place where culturally is is something that you're gonna get ostracized for. Right? You're embraced. It's like, right? oh, come on. Because even even unbelievers, they they may call you names or like poke at you a little bit, but it's still culturally acceptable to a degree. But imagine if your life was on the line. Yeah. 
Yeah. Full made in their profession. If yeah. you had to drive by the gallows to get to church, yeah. Right. Right. How many That's of us would sec- second think it? Right. Right? Now, you can, we can make true professions of faith here, yes. But the thing about it is, the, I think there's a, a lack of depth in understanding what you what we're really getting ourselves into. Not that it's a bad thing, but just the association with the person of Christ. Right. The cost that's with that. But once you start to walk that thing out, then you know you're gonna get that the, the social persecution, those pressures, they're gonna come. It's gonna come. And the challenges that we have here. Is that we don't, you can be in a situation where you don't have to necessarily trust God for everything, so to speak. Now I use the little air quotey fingers because I know that that's not really true. But we have a lot of carnal resources and things that we we can lean on to sustain us. Yeah, you know the the jobs, the insurances. Yeah. Right, the, the the accounts, the books, yep. all of these self help yeah, things, social services, all like this that. types of stuff. You know, yeah. things that we can. There's always on. an option here. Yeah, right. another yeah. option, something else to fall back on. Yeah. But when these systems of the world begin to fail, are we going to be in a position where we still? Standing firm, believing God, in spite of what's going on. Just thinking about the healing part. In some countries, lots of them, they don't have a hospital or doctor on every corner. That's true. Yeah. They, if they're believers and something happens, their body's attacked in some way. They better. They gotta believe, and they usually do. But they, you know, the. Where's the medicine? There may not be any medicine to get. Or it's some kind of home remedy, which might work, but then they learn to to adapt. But still, the born-again ones who really, and I know God can heal, they believe, and they, they say lots and lots of, of miracles and healings without any, any kind of medical intervention. They don't have the choice. They don't have the option. Yeah. It's do this. In, of course, in some cases, do this or die. Mm-hmm. So, so I believe we will pause right here and we'll start chapter two next week. Chapter took us a whole what, three weeks to do that? Wait, was it four weeks? Four, four weeks. weeks. What chapter? Yeah. We're going too slow. We just, we just can't help ourselves. We can't help ourselves. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. See you next week. Excuse me, I'm so sorry.